The Lord is so good. The power place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily. I'm just going to do wardrobe up here real quick. <laughs> daily encountering the Lord is so important. Daily encountering the Lord is so important. We're in the year of supernatural suddenlies, and we've watched as God has poured out suddenlies over and over and over again. It's, it's cool to see that suddenlies are not just happening in this house, but they're happening in our house. I don't know about you and your house, but I know that we've given our house back to God and said, Lord, it'll never be ours. It will always be yours. So bless it, pour out your spirit upon it because all we are is stewards of what you've given us. And so God just continues to pour out because we continue to give it back to him. This building is not ours. It will always be his. We're just stewarding it here on earth. And so we're handing things back to him saying, Lord, I know that you've blessed me with breath. And so I give my obedience back to you and say, Lord, whatever you have for me, it's your will, not mine. So I give back to you everything that you've blessed me with. We've watched his supernatural suddenness have happened over and over again, and we're blessed. And this year, as we steward prophetic words that have been prophesied over this house, prophecy is so important, and things have been released over this house. And so as we steward those words, one of the words uh, came from Pastor Zane as he prophesied this verse over our house. He spoke Isaiah 61 over this house. Can we go ahead and just stand one more time? I want to uh, corporately do this together as we, as we steward this, this, this word, this verse uh, that's been prophesied over this house. Can you just go ahead and lift up your hands as we read this verse out? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. 
their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Come on, keep your hands lifted all over this place. I saw a vision as I was preparing for this, for this today. I saw this moment in the room, everyone with their hands lifted up. And then I saw oaks of righteousness sprouting up all over the room. I want you to close your eyes as your hands are lifted. I just want you to give yourself to God. God is calling you to build what has been destroyed. It's a building season. He is pouring out joy over you and your home. I saw joy being poured out like water on your roots. Get ready because it's go time. There's oaks of righteousness sprouting up all over over this room, Lord, now in Jesus' name, I declare, Lord, more over this home, more over this house, God, and I pray that it would not just be contained to these four walls, but it would go home with them. Lord, as they sprout up like oaks of righteousness in their neighborhood, in their workplace, Lord, I pray that you would pour out joy like water on their roots. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing. God, I pray fruit like never before. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Amen. We, uh, we, we steward God's words over this house and what has been spoken over this house. We love what God is doing. Uh, this year has been an incredible year. We're watching as God is pouring out and giving more and more and more. Uh, the space next door is coming along. We've, we've got some architectural write-ups, and now they're getting in for some uh, engineer stamps. I just, you know, I can put some engineer stamps on there if you need. I got, I got it. Um, and God, we're just watching as God's moving and pouring out. It's been an incredible process up to this point and dreaming uh, and planning for the future and what's coming. Uh, just know that what God has in store, what he's starting to speak to us, um, is going to boggle our minds. And so we have to be ready as a church. We have to be ready uh, as a people that are, are willing to be obedient to step in and watch as God pours out because we are going to steward what he's handing us. Amen? Amen. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 4, starting in verse 4, I've titled today, The Suddenly's Position. The Suddenly's Position. Look at your neighbor and say, The Suddenly's Position. Look at your other neighbor, the neighbor that you like more than your first neighbor. For all the single people in the room, you looked at the other person so that that other person wouldn't know that you're interested in them. Verse four, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. They say he was anywhere from eight to 12 feet tall. It's pretty tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor, a bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. 
about 78 pounds. That's a pretty big weighted vest. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Verse eight, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Can I pastor you for a moment? When you don't encounter the Lord daily, your first response to life when it throws something at you you didn't expect will be one of emotion and confusion. If you don't daily encounter the Lord, your first reaction will be out of emotion and confusion. Saul was dismayed and terrified. He was dismayed and terrified. When, when, when Goliath was coming after the Israelite army, he's coming after God's chosen people. And Saul, being the leader, was dismayed and terrified, which tells me Saul was not drawing into God's power, but his own. He was looking at what man sees rather than what God sees. The moment that you look at what man sees, you're putting yourself in a, in a position where you're working off of emotion, which equals confusion. Verse 16, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward. For 40 days, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its, its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine champion from Gath stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, funny, if it's, it feels like I'm reading something from like the news in 2023. Yeah. Stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Okay, he heard it. When the other Israelites heard it, they ran and fled in fear. Two different reactions. David heard it. Doesn't say what he did. But I already know David. I already know the man that he is. You got the Israelites running. Because you're looking at what man sees and not what God sees. You see, David's always positioned in the suddenly's position. David allows God to do what God does. And the Israelite army put handcuffs on God. They're stepping out of the suddenly's position. 
Verse 25, now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Sign me up. Exempt from taxes? Sign me up. It's the life of Amish. It's great. No more taxes. This is amazing. Verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 27, they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Can I tell you something? The moment spiritual authority steps into the room, things change. David walked into the room and Eliab could feel the spiritual authority had entered. So the moment spiritual authority enters, those who lack humility and strive in pride will rise up and have a boisterous, loud, obnoxious saying that will battle all truth. I love how, I love how Eliab even tried to throw the, the dig in. Oh, you've just been out with the few sheep. That's what they do. That's what the Jezebel will do. That's what those evil spirits will do. They'll come in and they'll just take the little jab, the little, ah, I just want to get you where it hurts. Oh, you're not out here fighting the battle. Well, neither are you, Eliab, you little pansy. You're back in the tent hiding out. Well, what are you talking about? You're not, you're not doing anything. You're coming against David for the few sheep. At least he's here. At least he's talking. You're running with the rest of your boys. Verse 29. Now, what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Saul sees what people see. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came out and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Oh, I don't go by what man sees. I go by what God sees. And God has told me that I can take these things out. The bear, that didn't scare me. The lion, that didn't scare me. And this giant, for sure, doesn't scare me. The same way that I took out the bear, the same way that I took out the lion, I will take out this Philistine because he has defied the armies of the living God. 
The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Let me give you some practical advice. Confidence is built in the secret place. When you know God, you have nothing to worry about. Private moments with God is the foundation for a confident, faith-filled believer. David couldn't do what he did publicly with having first the private moments. David couldn't do what he was about to do publicly without first doing privately with God. What are you doing first? What are you doing first? Is your first response a panic moment or is your first response God? If God is an afterthought in your day today and the only time you talk to God is on a something that needs to be done basis, you are missing a relationship that will be your most fruitful relationship in your life. David would play his harp and sing praises to God in the field. His private life is what promoted his public life. Is your private life strengthening you for the giant or hindering you? It's the supernatural suddenly's position. We get as close to God as possible, and then he does the rest. This is the supernatural suddenly's position. We get as close to God as possible, and then he does the rest. We live fruit-filled lives, and God does the rest. It's called the suddenly's position. When I talk about fruit, fruit is so important because when you bear fruit, I get to be a receiver of that when I get around you. Fruit is so important. But the problem is a lot of people judge fruit on the wrong thing. Did you know that fruit is not money? And fruit is not things? A lot of confusion in this. Uh, fruit is not gadgets or collections of pogs. Y'all have been jealous of my fruit if it was a pog collection. Anybody remember pogs? Ooh, ooh. I had pog collection from 47 states, okay? Oh, from every Luby's out there. Okay, we'd go in, you get your, your, your pogs. I had some slappers and some slammers that would have made you so jealous. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. I had tubes of pogs for days. I had backpacks full of pogs. And then my ball collection. <laughs> you want to go on things. I had over 157 balls from 47 states. It was amazing. It's not fruit. It's not fruit. The house you live in is not fruit. I'm not going to pull up to your, to your driveway and be like, man, these people, they're, they're, God must really love them. They got a nice house. No, that's just a really nice house. You worked really hard to get it. I'm really proud of you. But it's just a house. Car you drive, it's just a car. I'm really proud of you that you worked really hard to get a new car. But it's just a car. That's not fruit. And the moment that I think that's fruit, I've stepped out of Bible because the Bible says in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's fruit. How's your self-control? Can I hang out with you without you bursting? How's your love? 
These are the things that God wants to pour out. When I say be a fruit bearer, these are the things that I'm talking about. Not things. If we're going on things, some of the most deceitful, wicked people in the world have things. The richest man in the world doesn't have God. He's just got things. He got there from his mind working to get him there. He created something. He invented something. This is great. So cool. That's not fruit. Money is the root of evil because it pulls on the heartstrings of so many. That's why it's so hard to give in the church. Because it's like, ah, oh, man, what? They just want my money. No, 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 no. God wants your obedience because he knows that that's an attachment to things. Now, God also says, build your, he's going he's gonna to pour out. You're going to have to build bigger barns to hold it all. But are you able to steward what he hands you? Can he trust you with more? The posture of praise gets God's attention. Did you know that? The posture of praise gets God's attention. It says in Psalms 22, he inhabits the praises of his people. He is drawn to praise. God is drawn to praise. He wants to be around you when you're praising him. When we start to corporately praise him in the mornings, on Sunday mornings, he is drawn to the room. He's drawn to your praise. How often is he drawn to your home? How often is God drawn to your home? How often are you praising the Father in your private moments? In John 4, verse 23, it says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. <laughs> Let me read that again because I feel like three-fourths of the room didn't get it. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. The Father is looking for people that are drawn to praise. All he wants is to go to places where he is glorified, where he's honored, where it's not about a room full of people, but it's about him. This church is built around his presence. We are built around his presence. Everything else just comes along with his presence. We're excited. We're excited to be around other praises, but at the end of the day, it's only him that matters. Oh, he's so good. Verse 37, the end of verse 37, Saul said to David, go and the Lord will be with you. Verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and his sling in his hand. And he approached the Philistine. 
Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was, uh, was little more than a boy, <laughs> glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you flesh to the birds. Give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. That's a pretty powerful verse. I I, I don't know about you, but that gets me pretty excited. You see, the spirit of fear could have disqualified David. But the voice of God was more prominent than the voice of the spirit of fear. No spirit, but the Holy Spirit. We say it so often in this house. He could have been driven like all of the other Israelites by the spirit of fear, but he chose no spirit, but the Holy Spirit. The enemy knows if he can shake you with a bear and a lion that you won't face the giant. So he's going to send little distractions in here and there so that when you're in the midst of battle, he knows he can pull you out. It says in Isaiah 41, verse 10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In Hebrews 13, 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? When I read verses like that, I want to take on anything. Nothing scares me. Nothing worries me. I know that God is not a respecter of persons, so I know that God has my back no matter what. He's right here. He's ready to go. And and there's a battle in front of us, and the moment that the enemy knows he has this is the moment that he knows we'll back up. And that, 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 that's a scary position. The moment that the enemy starts to come and you start to do this, the enemy knows he's got you. It starts with a thought. It ends with an action. It starts with a thought and it ends with an action. That's why we, we take thoughts captive. Anytime, anytime you have a thought like that, you take it captive. Jesus, here's that thought because I don't want it. You can cast that one as far as the east is from the west because I don't need it. That one's not going to help me. That one's going to hurt me. So take that. Take that thought. And watch as God does that. See, when, when David was in the field playing his harp underneath the tree, you know, grass, sheep all walking around. We were driving yesterday uh, out, out to Oxford area and there was a sign, sheep for sale. I, it was everything in me not to pull over and buy some sheep. Because I thought, what would be better today than to have sheep live on, I mean, how dope would that be? 
And then we could take him home and Wilbur would have friends. Oh my gosh, it'd be so good. You know, David's out tending to his sheep. But David used those moments alone as strategic building moments. Some of us get so caught up in being alone, we can't stand being alone, so we surround ourselves with people that don't help us, hurt us, and so we're always distracted by people, never letting God have our full attention. But David chose to be strategic in the moments alone. He chose to write most of the Psalms, worship songs to the Lord. (laughs) I mean, come on, You're, you're praising, singing, encountering the Lord. And now in those moments, those private moments with God, God started to build up his confidence and confidence is everything. Once you have confidence in God, that's that faith. That's that faith that says, no matter what, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to waver. That's that faith that builds up that says, when COVID comes around, I'm not going to fear or whatever else is coming next. I'm not sure we've had monkey something and I'm guessing elephant something's coming. I don't know. You never know. It's coming. Okay. I'm not a clown. So I'm not going to dance around like a clown. God has called me to be a faith-filled, confident believer in him, stand on his word, and prophesy. And that's what I'm going to do. So when I get in the private moments with God and I'm sitting underneath the tree with my harp, can I get a harp? I think it would be really cool. You can wake up in the morning, come down, I'm playing my harp in the living room. Oh, so I just, I want to play a harp now. All of a sudden I have this like urge to play harp. So he's playing his harp, singing praises to God. And what God's doing, it's kind of funny because a harp is kind of like, to me, like it's kind of a girly instrument, but yet David made it a manly instrument. Ooh, I love it. And he's like, he's singing praises to God. And what God did is he took that little boy that Goliath's talking about. He's like, oh, you're just a little boy. What am I, a dog? Because you're just a little boy. You're out playing your harp with your few sheep, according to Eliab. You think his confidence wasn't wrecked by his older brother? Now he's got to step in front of the, the, the giant, and now the giant's ripping him apart. So he went from an older brother that knows him, that stripped him of all dignity, and said, oh, you little sheep herder, you. You're few sheep. I'm so sorry that you had to come here and see us, but we're here fighting battle. Hiding in our tents, but we're fighting. <laughs> and David, David, the little boy, was in the private moments with God as God was building him. As God was entrusting him with things. As God was empowering him. As God was putting bricks on his house in the kingdom. Saying, ooh, man of God, I am building you. It doesn't matter what you look like. It matters what's inside of you. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It matters what's inside of you. Here's another piece. Here's another piece. You worship me, I'm going to come for you. You worship me, I'm, I'm drawn to your praise. And as I'm drawn to your praise, I'm building you up with muscles that nobody can see, but that I do through you. And so now, oh, now hindsight's 2020 because David's standing in front of Goliath, but really he's actually thinking back to the bear and the lion that he's already defeated. And he uses it as a testimony to take Goliath out. Oh, you think you got me. But what you're missing out on is that God already strengthened my hands for the bear. And God already strengthened my hands for the lion. And what I did in private will now become public. You didn't know about it, but now you're about ready to find out about it. (laughs) Don't judge size. Don't judge size. Judge God's kids. 
Hear me, hear me. When you're a child of God, it doesn't matter what you look like. It matters who you follow. Oh, there's so much going on around the world. But David was finding his place with the Lord. He was finding his place with the Lord. He was learning how to lead by shepherding. He was learning how to lead by shepherding. Oh, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. Yo, get back over here. Get over here. Get back over there. Good. Hey, come here. Nope. Come on. Come on. Not knowing that he was really getting ready for kingship. He went from leading sheep. Come on. Dummy. Come on. Get over here. To leading people. <laughs> he went from what Eliab said, leading a few sheep. Come on. To now standing in front of his throne, leading from what God did in the private to what now people see in the public. Some of you look at public figures and you say, man, I wish I would have had their growing up so I could have just gotten there, but you don't know what they did to get there. You have no idea what's behind the scenes and the, the bruises that are on their knees from being before the father for so long, letting him work on pride, which is one of the one, number one things that needs to die in the church, pride. Pride is one of the number one things in the church that holds the church back from movement. Pride. Let's continue on in verse 48. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank deep into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. With a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. I think that's a, a prophetic line. David ran and stood over him. You will stand over the demons that try to defeat you when you run at them and let them know who's boss. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Please understand that the people that are coming after you, you take out their leader, the rest of them will flee. You have things attacking your house, you Jericho march your house. You take out the leader. You take out the leader. Well, what does a Jericho march look like? Well, we Jericho march our house. We've, we Jericho march our, our new house a few times in the past seven years since we've owned it. I say a new house. It's seven years old. Okay, whatever. Um, it was actually built in 1992. Um, anyways, um, so, but we've Jericho marched our house a few times. When we feel something rising and coming against, we're going to march it again. And what it looks like for us is the last time we, we marched it, I think it was, it was almost midnight. You can see it's on the ring cam. It's like, blink. You know, it caught us every time we came around. I'm like, there it is. Um, anyways, but we're, we're just Jericho March seven times around. We're, we're praying and prophesying in, and we're coming against and warring against those things that are trying to come in the home. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let me remind you, devil, this is my property, and I'm a son of the most high God, so you have no right of passage on this property. 
No rite of passage. Fear go, Holy Spirit come. Some of you need to do that because you've been so weighed down at your house, your house is heavy. Your house doesn't have to be heavy. Let that house be light. Bring nothing but the Holy Spirit in. Every other spirit has to go. Only the Holy Spirit is invited in. Amen. Amen. The enemy will push you as far as you will let him. Today, I believe God is already working on hearts to ready you for battle to get you in this suddenly's position. There are businessmen and women in the room, and you are going to start tithing. Sorry, once God starts to download, I just start to type. You ready for this? There are businessmen and women in the room, and you are going to start tithing on your business and getting ready for God to open up doors of opportunity like never before. It's the suddenly's position. There are some of you today, the daily encounters are sporadic and you have felt God in these moments and are going to be changing around your schedule to make daily encountering God your number one priority. It's the suddenly's position. For some of you, you just want to posture yourself in the praise position to let God know he has your yes and your heart. It's the suddenly's position. I don't know how you came in here this morning. I'm not sure what this looks like for you, but I do know this, that what God did for David in the private was readying him for the public moments. David was just a boy. David was just a boy. How long are you going to say, well, I'm just a new believer? Well, I haven't been saved that long. I don't know that many verses. I'm I'm trying. I'm trying to. How long are you going to use those excuses? Just get before the Lord. Just get before the Lord. God is looking for obedient hearts that are willing to submit to his leadership. You know, submission is really hard. Submitting is really hard. When you have a pride issue. Submitting to leadership is really hard when you have a pride issue. But I'm telling you, pride is one of the most insane things that is plaguing the church of today. Because what it does is it grips the heart of men and women and then restricts movement. What kind of movement are you talking about? Growth. You cannot grow under leadership that you have things against. You cannot grow under leadership that you have things against. I just hold things inside. No. Release it. Give it to God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? You see, humility comes from a place of being humble. (laughs) That's pretty smart. (laughs) When you're humble, you can come under leadership. This is something that we teach our kids. Hey, listen, you have to come under our leadership. That means you don't get an option to talk back. If you're going to choose to be in my house still, then you're going to have to choose to come under my leadership. Meaning, you're going to have to get some humility and listen. 
I know your pride's going to want to rise up and you're going to want to talk back and you're going to want to give your excuse of why you didn't clean your room and now you're here. But I'm telling you, you better submit and go obey or there will be no blessing. And this is, this is, this is big. This is big. Let me, let me help you for a second. Let me pass you for a second. Because the moment that you submit under leadership that is biblically based... So important right there. Don't miss that. Biblically based. The moment that we step out of Bible is the moment we step out of Jesus covering. Okay, we're underneath. We're, we're following the law here. The moment that you submit underneath leadership and you come underneath, you put yourself and your family and your home into a place that God can pour out. It's one of the things we tell so many people. Oh, I'm looking for a church. Find one and submit. Find one and submit. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Don't be going all over the place, hopping here and there. Find a house and submit to leadership. Well, I don't agree with everything. Then find another house and submit. Don't be wavering and all over the place. Find a house and submit to leadership. Well, we do, we do online church. I would encourage you to find an in-house church. If you're watching online, find an in-house church. I love that you're watching online. That's great that we have this, but watch it later. Go Sunday morning to a house and submit to leadership. If you can't go to a church, then you have a submission problem, which equals a pride problem. You see, David humbled himself in the field. And even though his brother and Goliath and everybody around and Saul, 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 King Saul, said, yo boy, no, no. Can you imagine going before the king and be like, hey, I, I know you've said to everybody else that, that we, you know, there's, I'll do it. And the king looked at me and he's like, no, we're good. <laughs> nah. Every insecurity to the top. And he had just come from Eliab. He's getting ready to go to Goliath. Man, David didn't have a chance. And the boy plays a harp. I mean, you don't got much going for him. <laughs> Tending a few sheep with a harp. I mean, what? Oh, you look at the outside. That's your problem. You're just seeing what you can see, not what God sees. See, the issue is when we read this story, we put ourselves in David's position. We're like, yeah, yeah, I would have done the same thing. Huh? Really? Are you sure? It's really easy to read a story and put yourself in that position. It was really easy for me to watch Superman growing up and be like, why do you always go around that green stuff? I think that's a dumb choice. But I got to say, no, stop going around the green stuff, okay? Green stuff's bad. Don't do that. It's really easy for me to look in from the outside. It's really easy for me to read the Bible and be like, man, I definitely would have done that. And then the moment that I'm faced with something, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, this is, ah, mm. it was really easy for me to make big decisions when I wasn't in charge. It's really easy to spend other people's money. And I love it. I love spending Landon's money. Pastor Landon, I love it. I'm like, oh, Landon, you've got to buy this. So good. You need to buy this. 
Have you seen this? I love spending other people's money. I love you know, going in and be like, you can afford this. I don't think we can. Yes, you can. You need to buy this. And then maybe I can borrow it at one point. I love it. I love sending texts of things to someone else to be like, dude, you should look into this. No, you buy it. No, I can't right now, but you should. <laughs> it was really easy for me to, to sit back and be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's go. Let's make the charge. Let's take more space when you weren't in the leadership position because it didn't fall on my shoulders. Now I'm in a position where I'm making the call. And the funny thing is, it's not landing on my shoulders either. I have given this church back to God since February 5th, every day, every day recorded. Lord, you got to build it because it ain't up to me. I'm just your vessel. I'm giving this church back to you. All right, we're going to more spaces available. All right, Lord, you better supply. It's not mine. It's yours. Do you want to do it, Lord? And supply the way. It's so much easier when it's not on you. So I just continue to give it back to the Lord. Lord, this isn't ours. It's yours. We're just vessels that are stewarding it. And David continually gave himself back to God. And when he did, he continued to get blessing and favor from the Lord. So far, so much so that when he stepped in front of Goliath, Goliath didn't look like Goliath. Goliath looked like a slain Philistine. David already saw him dead. When David saw Goliath, he already saw him dead. He didn't look at him as a giant. Oh, no. He looked at him as a dead Philistine. What would happen in the church if you started looking at your problems as not problems, but little hiccups? They're like, ah, not really worried about it. I've already defeated you. My prayer time earlier already took care of this problem. So I'm not really sure why you're bringing it to my attention, but Lord, you got it. You can handle it. Take care of it. What would happen? That's the difference of a confident, faith-filled believer. They don't see Goliath. They see him defeated. I love it. I love how David already told Goliath, I will take your head and cut it off. He was just letting him know. David was prophesying in that moment to, to Goliath. Hey, you got two choices here. You can leave or I'm going to serve your head on a platter. But David already knew the end result because he had already spent time with the father and the father had already built his faith being with the father. His faith was already built. His confidence started to overwhelm him. And now in front of him, he's like, all I need is my sling. Forget the armor. I don't need that. that that's not comfortable for me. When the bear and the lion came, I had no time to run and find armor. I just took them out with what I had. The Lord is so good and he wants to pour out upon you. Hey Amen. Can we stand up all over this place, worship team? Come, please. I heard the Lord say he is raising up Davids in the room. Men and women that are readying themselves in private and in the secret place. There's an army of Davids in the room today. Go ahead and lift your hands all over this room. 
Close your eyes, put yourself in, in posture with the Lord. Earlier when I was talking about oaks of righteousness, some of you disqualified yourself from being that. Right now, I believe that God is coming in and he is readying your spirit and readying your mind. You are an oak of righteousness. God is getting ready to sprout life like never before in and through you. There's Davids all over this room. There's Davids all over this room. There's future Davids all over this room. Where you're going to spend moments with the Father in private. And he's going to start readying your spirit for public. I felt in my spirit an army of Davids rising up in the room. An army of Davids rising up in the room. They wouldn't look at Goliath as a giant, but would would look at Goliath as dead. (laughs) You wouldn't look at problems as problems, but you would look at problems as solved. Ooh. Lord's working on a few of you in the room right now. I can feel it in my spirit. He's working on. Just keep yourself in that posture. Lord's working right now. He's working right now in your heart. He's working right now in your mind. He's getting you ready.
We're getting ourselves in the suddenly's position. What David did in private got him ready for the suddenly's position. Giant was just suddenly. <laughs> presence is in the room. Okay, real quick, look at me, look at me. Check this out. So one of the ways that I best connect with God is through movement. And and so every morning around 5, 5.30, I, I, I go for a run with Wilbur and, and I'm, I'm listening to worship music and I'm moving and I'm connecting with God as, as, I'm, as I'm moving. And, and, and the Lord just continues to pour out. And some of you in the room, you, you, you don't know, you don't, you don't have a moment in your day where you connect with God. And this is what David did. David found that he best connected with, with God through worship. And so it's in those moments that he connected with God. And, and, and I'll just, just, just a little window. We're actually getting ready to release PowerPlace Connect that will help you go through an entire process of questions and everything so that you can figure out how you best connect with God. It's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be a part of our membership. It's gonna be so amazing. It's coming, it's coming, okay? It's coming, it's gonna be amazing. But, but the fact that, that through movement, I feel the Lord. When I start to move, I feel his presence. I feel the pleasure of the Lord as I'm, as I'm moving, as I'm, as I'm walking, as I'm talking to the Lord, as I'm listening and, and singing and, 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 and creating these praise moments. And thank the Lord it's early and there's nobody out because I'm like singing at the top of my lungs like a little girl and it's amazing and I love it. And it's just me, Wilbur and the trees and nature and I, I love it and I feel like God is moving in those moments. I'm trying to type in my notes as I'm, I'm walking along and Wilbur's telling me to stop. I got to type it because the Lord's speaking. And what's happening in, in all of this is I'm, I'm positioning myself in the suddenly position. Lord, you can trust me with a suddenly. Lord, you can trust me with a suddenly. Lord, you have my heart. You have my eyes. You have my ears. You can trust me with a suddenly. Oh, there's some of you in the room and you long to be a David. Some of you in the room, you've been asking the Lord to speak to you. Oh, I feel this in my spirit. Some of you have been asking the Lord to speak to you. But you're too busy. So you pray the prayer, Lord, speak to me, and then you never give him a moment to speak. The Lord wants you to know today, ask and listen 
because he's going to speak. You're going to know that it's him through the nudge in your spirit. All over this room, just lift your hands again. All over this room, just receive him right now. Lord, pour, pour your spirit out. Lord, I pray clarity over the room in Jesus' name. Move in this place, Lord, we give you access. We give you the room. We give you ourselves. We give you our obedience, Lord. We say, pour your spirit out. Lord, we position ourselves in the suddenly's position. We love you and we thank you, Lord.